and welcome to Is This Anime? I'm your anime expert, Jack Metcalf. And I'm the guy who knows nothing about anime, Malcolm Cloud. <laughs> and um, let's get right into it. Malcolm, you have a bit of an announcement to make. Yeah, uh, I guess uh, starting to uh, this episode, uh, I'm uh, on, I guess, the uh, my end game uh, with the podcast. I'm going to be stepping away for a while. Uh, it just, uh, life stuff is... Uh, come about and i just don't have the time that i want to be dedicating to the podcast um that i need to dedicate to the podcast anymore uh so i'm handing the reins to jack there's gonna be a, a lot of great uh kind of guest hosts guests coming in uh you know kind of to fill the, the void uh but before that uh we've got uh, one more show that we're covering which is uh with the well, it's this, uh, it's this week's uh, show. It's, it's what we're about to walk into. So Yeah, so Malcolm was very generous. Again, this is, this, this uh, you know, I can't say I was not disappointed, but Malcolm was generous. I, I remember how you phrased it. You, you know, you were like, um, you, you were kind of like, you know, pick, pick a couple of your favorites for standalones. And I'm just like, you know what? I just really want to do Berserk. Um, so yeah, we're going to be doing four weeks of Berserk. This is Malcolm's Endgame. And, and ironically, this show is kind of, the show is about the end of a partnership. Uh, uh, our partnership has not ended in the uh, the terrible way the partnership uh, ends in Berserk, thankfully. But um, yeah, this is a show I've really wanted to cover. I really wanted to give it the kind of level of coverage it deserves. I didn't, and I didn't want to put it on like the B team. You know, not not that you know the the Malcolmless episodes will be B tier, but but yeah, this is what I wanted to enjoy. With my friend, our our incredible co-host Malcolm, and yeah, like like you had told me before, this you know you'll still pop in occasionally. It's just this is the end of your of your full time hosting duties. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's the best way to describe it. You know, when we started the podcast, this uh, you know it was right in the heart of the pandemic, twenty twenty. You know, a lot of free time, but I think as things have opened up, you know, just schedules have gotten busier, and it's just gotten harder and harder for me. To, uh, to to dedicate the time to watch and then like analyze uh, the shows that we watch, the movies that we watch, and uh, yeah, well, I want to you know for me, I want to give up my all when I'm re uh, recording, when I'm in doing these episodes, and like if I can't do that, then I feel like it's best to um, yeah to step away for a while. So, and the great thing is too, I mean, due to the nature of this show, I've already recorded four other episodes without you, so I do know it's. <laughs> I do know it's in good hands because I've done four more of these and I'm like, you know what? I was kind of nervous the first couple. Um, so basically the structure as this is, is that we're going to do Berserk episodes one to six. And I'm doing another thing with uh, guest returning guest Jordan Mitchell Love, where we're covering a series called Gurren Lagan. And then there's some other stuff. Uh, some other lovely guests and I are doing some stuff. So this transition to Malcolm is going to be similar to our Cowboy Bebop thing where it's, you know, one part of Berserk, something else, one part of Berserk, something else, until Malcolm's tenure is wrapped up. Um, but anyways, let's introduce a new guest, a very special guest, uh, Maria Batali. Hello. <laughs> uh, Maria, this is fantastic. I remember telling Malcolm when I wanted to do Berserk that, you know, I was like, I want Maria for this. And, um, you She's know. very insistent. <laughs> very insistent. No, but also, you, you know Maria, too, and you just have such a wonderful energy. Um, and a different energy from, say, some of the other um, guests we've had. So I was like, yeah, we got to have someone who can give a, an interesting spin on this material. Um, so, Maria, let's just get into this. What is your anime experience? It's very new. I know that. 
Yeah, yeah. No, my anime experience is basically season one of Demon Slayer and these six episodes of Berserk. <laughs> That's fantastic. And um, the funny thing is, yeah, Berserk, uh, Demon Slayer is kind of the perfect counterpart um, to Berserk. But there's also another show you watch. I don't think you necessarily identify it as anime, but uh, we'll get into that. So let's do the history segment. Um, okay. So just straight up, um, before we get into this, Malcolm, what did you know about Berserk going in? Like when you when you hear the word Berserk, what did you what did you know about this anime? So I had no idea about its contents, but it's one of those things where like you know I've I've done the podcast for a while that like I knew this was a popular like kind of show manga. Like I knew this has like a big fan base. Uh, one of the other things I did know, uh, I think Jackie shared this with me like ages ago is uh, that the creator, the writer, uh, artist, the original one, uh, he died before finishing the, uh, completing the manga. And that uh, there is a, a new collaborator, I think his best friend is the one who's like kind of taking the notes that he left behind and is finishing it. Is that, am I correct? That's correct. I mean, that's kind of the funny thing. It's almost infamous because, you know, anytime a creator dies before their work is finished. I mean, knock on wood, we're all just kind of waiting for George R.R. R. Martin to croak before he finishes those last Game of Thrones books. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is kind yeah, of... Like, yeah. Everyone's gonna, he's going to die, and then like someone's going to like look through like the manuscripts, and it's just going to be like, oh my God, it's 600 pages of just food descriptions. <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, so we're going we're to get to the tragedy of this, but just here's, here's my notes in order. So the story of Berserk is both a tale of tragedy in the context of the work itself and also the making of it man behind the series, Kentaro Mira, was a true manga artist through and through. His first published work titled Miranger was made when he was just 10 years old and published in a school magazine. Wikipedia states it ran for 40 volumes, but I believe this to be false given how many chapters would exist, and yet little to no part of it has been made available. I don't care if it's in a school magazine, I think if there's 40 volumes of this work, there would be something to find on the internet at least. Wow, I have no idea. Um, so I think I think that's you know there's so many of these like Wikipedia lies that you just kind of find, and you know the the wiki people aren't as good with um, checking things off as as there's just so many things to keep track of. But uh, I do believe he definitely probably wrote some manga in a school magazine. Anyways, when Miro was 18, he became an assistant to Gioji Morikawa, author of the long running boxing manga Hajime no Ippo. Morikawa told Mira that his work was so good that there was little he could teach him. And it was around this time that Mira began sketching a dark warrior with a massive sword. So, in 1988, a 48-page prototype of Berserk was published. Then a year later, Berserk began official serialization and the comic magazine Monthly Animal House, uh, which later became a young animal. Mira chose the word Berserk for his title because, in short, starting from a world with a dark hero who is burning for revenge, prompts you to imagine a rabid character. These are his words, by the way. When guided by his anger, he will pour out his rage on overpowered enemies. We must insist on his fanaticism if you want to stay consistent. That's why I thought Berserk would make a perfect title to represent my universe. Uh, do you guys buy that? How, does, how do you feel when you hear the name Berserk? No, I don't know. Like, Berserk to me is like, use that word. Like, it just seems like crazy or like you're going Berserk. So I guess that does co coincide with guts because he goes crazy with that sword. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, 
and I think again, it's just a cool. It's again, you're like berserk. What does that mean? It must be fucking exciting. It must mean you know, there's probably sex and violence and a lot of cool shit. Uh, for me, I I guess the one thing that like threw me off is like obviously like one of the things was I didn't like I don't and I don't do any research before I watch any of this stuff. Like I, I you know like I just I go in blind for whatever reason. I was because of the name berserk. I thought this was going to be some sort of like kind of futuristic sci-fi <laughs> gun thing like i was like i was expecting guns i wasn't expecting a, a lead character who like uses the blade like i didn't expect a guy who's like i'm gonna die by the blade <laughs> like you know i think berserk is just i th- i think when i think of berserk before this uh i think of guns <laughs> like someone just like going crazy with like a you know with just like a machine yeah. gun that's funny it's funny because um keanu reeves he he has a comic called berserker but it, it's re- without it's without the ease and i think they're like doing like an anime adaptation of that or some shit um but yeah that's interesting that's interesting that you thought it was the exact opposite genre that this was um so an anime adaptation of berserk would run from october 1997 to april 1998 this is the one we're talking about it was animated by oriental light and magic who at the time had released a little anime called Pokemon six months earlier. <laughs> the director of the director of this berserk anime, Nahuhito Takahashi, had also been absorbed into the Pokemon franchise, having worked on both the series and features since Berserk had ended. He is still part of the Pokemon machine. Yeah, I mean that's a cash cow. You gotta you gotta stick with the cash cow. <laughs> Again, I, I just love the contrast though of like, you know, they're working on, you know, Pokemon, this this like kits franchise that they're like, okay, this is this weird thing about this dude collecting monsters and like meanwhile we got the prestigious you know manga here uh and then you know the the anime based off the weird video game is the thing that ends up dominating this company's fortunes <laughs> true yeah i guess that's true. It's, it's like they're like the uh the anime uh studio version of uh director robert rodriguez's like entire <laughs> filmography where it's like you look at like his filmography it's like uh, you know, he's got like Desperado from Dusk Till Dawn and then, you know, the faculty. And then it's like Spy Kids, Spy Kids 2, uh, Shorts, uh, you know, The Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl. And it's like Sin City, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, Machete, Machete Kills, you know, Alita Battle Angel. And it's like, we can be heroes. <laughs> like, it's just like this, like, it's just such like an odd, like, I, I guess I respect the people who like jump between genres. And you know what? Take that bag because they're constantly making Pokemon. And as we're just about to talk about, uh, the Berserk output slowed down considerably after this adaptation. So here's the thing. Berserk would end up running for 41 volumes and counting. But around 2006, Mira began taking extended hiatuses. The series, which ran on a 24 chapter a year schedule, began to slow down to release chapters well into the single digits, with some years having as few as one or two. On May 20th, 2021 it was announced that mira had died of an acute aortic dissection his final chapter of berserk chapter 364 was published posthumously on september 10th it was expected to be the end of the series however like malcolm said all that changed on june 7th 2022 uh the studio behind uh the berserk manga and koji mori who was um mira's best friend had announced the series would continue publication using plans and thoughts that were relayed to Mori by Mira himself, as well as memorandums and character designs that Mira left behind. Mori related how he had visited Mira nearly 30 years ago when he was drawing, uh, I'm not going to say, an event of Berserk, uh, spoiler alert, a major event in Berserk, and how his friend completed the storyline for the manga up to its last chapter that week. 
Maury explained that the story for Berserk had since gone on exactly as we discussed at the time with almost no changes. As the only person who knows the ending Mira intended, Maury agreed to continue the series and promised, I will only write the episodes that Mira talked to me about. I will not flesh it out. I will not write episodes that I don't remember clearly. I will only write the lines and stories that Mira described to me. Berserk will continue with six chapters, finishing the Fantasia slash Elf Island chapter before starting a new arc afterward with credits as original work by Kentaro Mira, art by Studio Gaga, supervised by Koji Mori. So the 365th and 366 chapters were published on June 24th, 2022. As of this recording, I'm waiting for new chapters because, um, yeah, it's an interesting thing. Like we said, it's like the reverse George R. R. Martin. I mean, you know, um, Game of Thrones infamously did not have a good ending by the people who adapted it. No. <laughs> um, yeah. But then I, I have a theory there, which is that they know the ending that George R. R. Martin wants uh, or like has planned and they couldn't write to that ending. Uh, so they had to go with a different ending and it just happened to be a really bad ending. So my, here's my theory. I have the opposite approach. I think George R. R. Martin is fucking rewriting what he's told them. <laughs> I think Martin, I think what they did was the ending. It obviously lacked the depth because, you know, they, those last two scenes were shorter and that show clearly suffered um, from a lack of development. I mean, you know, they went from 10 episodes a season to like six and seven, um, which definitely was a detriment to the character development. Famously, Daenerys' character arc just sucks. Um, but yeah, I do think Martin is probably. Uh, changing key details based on that response. He will not admit to it, but I think he himself was spooked. <laughs> That's my theory. Uh, prove me wrong, George R. R. Martin. Prove me wrong. But I mean, uh, theory. We basically have the opposite, like theories. But it's it's it definitely someone changed something. <laughs> someone someone changed something, and even Martin is just going to continuously again. Maybe he'll come out with Winds of Winter, but he still has another fucking book. Um, it's so mean to say it's it's so mean to say that like everyone believes like yeah you're gonna die and not satisfy anyone with this ending but let's talk berserk. It'd be very funny if he's like the guy like one of those authors even though he's only like he's in his early 70s although he's you know looks like he could pass away any day um uh from like heart failure but uh <laughs> but like he uh yeah he's also one of those guys where i wouldn't be surprised it's like he like lives to a hundred and then everyone like every year now until he's a hundred is just like, which is like about 30 years. He's only 73. Uh, is just like, Hey, where's the, uh, the book. And he's just like, fuck, why won't I die yet? <laughs> <laughs> he, want, he wants death to take him so he can just fucking stop. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe that's his karmic retribution for not finishing the fucking thing. Let's talk episode one of Berserk because I don't even know where to start. I guess let's start with the episode itself because um, it's vastly different from how the manga starts. So um, the first image we see in the anime is an old man crafting a massive sword. Um, and then we get kind of the intro music. And uh, we hear from these dudes in a bar that uh, things haven't been good since King Griffith took over. Um, so we're already hearing the name Griffith, which is going to pay off a little bit later. Um, some, mm -hmm. some blonde asshole is harassing a girl. <laughs> Uh, being very, very, he's like fucking shoving her face in, into alcohol. Yeah, ew, that was like my mom walked in when. Literally, oh, she's she like, like, "What are we watching?" She was, 
he was like, use that pretty little mouth or put that pretty little mouth. Oh, yeah. Something. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, okay, off to a. Oh my! God. <laughs> this this isn't for kids, Maria. Um, <laughs> it's funny because I, I told you before that like Demon Slayer is in um, Shonen Jump, which is like technically a children's manga. Berserk, the genre is seen in, um, which is why there's like nudity and a lot of blood. Um, because yeah, the opening chapter of Berserk, the manga, is, and I showed this to Malcolm and Maria, is guts. It's guts uh, having sex with a woman who's revealed to be a demon, and then him killing her, and this is all within three pages. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, Malcolm, look at the text that's in you. Yeah, it's just no, right there. I, 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 I did see it. I did see it. It was just one of those things of like when you say that out loud and you're, and you're like, "Within well, three pages," I'm like, "Yeah, that's what it is." But it's also like, "Oh my god, it's what did it was start?" <laughs> yeah, and you know, you gotta remember this guy Mira was only like 23 when he wrote Berserk. So we're dealing we're we're dealing with this. Like a lot of these manga author um, creators, they start super young. Uh, which is also says something terrible about, you know, how they like die in their 40s and 50s because they're just so overworked. Again, it's the type of thing where, you know, this young hotshot artist is like, fuck yeah, I'm going to, you know, um, this is me, you know, giving a hell of an opening. But it's also, you know, we're going to talk about this, uh, the contrast between what the story becomes. But anyways, yeah, this blonde asshole, he's, he's harassing this girl. He's being a total creep. And then Guts comes in, <laughs> shoots a couple times, uh, shoots a couple of thugs with his crossbow hand. <laughs> And he asked the leader to take him to his master. Um, what a goddamn opening for guts. It's like the man with no name, you know what I mean? I guess so. If yeah, like he's got it, yeah, he's got that like quiet stoicism. That, like, yeah, honestly, got... I he gave me Aragorn vibes like when he's sitting <laughs> at the prancing pony. <laughs> um Yeah, in the dark fantasy world that like, that Berserk takes place in, it was influenced by Conan the Barbarian, which you can kind of see, especially with like all the monsters and shit like that. It also kind of had like some vibes of like the Dark Tower a little bit, like at the very opening. And and Mira was also influenced with like monster designs by um, fuck. What's the series with Pinhead Hellraiser? Malcolm? Hellraiser, yeah, yeah. Right. Like the God Hand uh, character designs are definitely influenced by that. Um, <laughs> so guts, he beats he beats the fuck out of these dudes. He tells them to take him to his master. Um, and then meanwhile. He's like play. He kind of hides out in a forest, and he's like plagued by these visions. We see that he has a brand, and yeah, these like horrible creatures are kind of, um, you know, uh, fucking with his head. <laughs> They're not just like attached to him, like uh, like parasite, right? It's more of like they they actually kind of are. I mean, again, we're we're gonna be going up to this series, which again, this twenty five episode series, and um, that's the thing. Uh, we will get answers to this. I can say that you're going to get answers to what the brand is, why Guts is missing his arm, why he's missing an eye. Um, and of course, you know, the big mystery that this sets up is what's the deal with him and Griffith? Um, so yeah, Guts, he, he's plagued by these visions. And then meanwhile, there's this guy, I, I don't even have a name for him. I call him Snake Man. <laughs> he's like the count of some shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah he- he's, a, he's a fucking asshole. That's all I can say. Uh, Snake Man. So Snake Man is present in the first chapter of Berserk. Um, in this episode of the anime, yeah, guts. He the, he takes him out with the, he takes him out uh, by blowing his face up with his cannon arm, chopping him in half, and then shooting him with crossbow bolts to the face. It's extra as fuck. I love it. Yeah, I mean this one. This you know this has got that like eighties gore. To like to the max of just like it does it's so egregious it's so over the top i definitely those were the moments that pulled me in 
so here's the thing. This whole arc in the manga is three volumes long. This this is one episode, and they can they they condense three volumes into one episode effectively. Um, the way the manga actually tells the story is there's a lot more to it. There's basically this kind of uh, king or count who is different from Snake Man. Um, he has a daughter. He wants to sacrifice his daughter because of some promise um, that he's been offered. And effectively, you know, Guts does take the guy down, but the girl um, hates Guts for it because he killed her father. And then Guts cries. I'm summarizing a three-volume uh, story arc very quickly. Yeah. Well, I guess it's hard because, like, you've read the manga as well. Yeah. I don't have that, like... But that's the connection. that's the thing. But that's the thing. So basically, they took, they took a three-volume arc, condensed it to one episode because they're just like, hey, listen... We want to get to this other arc, and that's where we get to uh, to what I thought would just be a quick flashback, and instead uh, goes on for the remainder of this twenty five episode series. Okay, yeah, because I was at the first episode, I was a little bit confused, and even the start of episode two, uh, which starts off with guts, is kind of around you know fourteen, fifteen years old. In the manga, it actually starts with the birth of guts, and uh, okay. guts is. Guts is born in a, in literally like a sea of corpses. We we meet Gambino right away. He has a wife named Shizu who's gone mad uh, because of the miscarriage of her uh, own child. Um, it's very fucked up stuff. And then yeah, we'll get to the we'll get to the backstory changes in a bit. But anyway, this episode in the show will we get flashbacks of Guts like as the child? Sees? No, episode four is what you get for this flashback yeah. sequence. Okay. Okay. But yeah, so Malcolm, did you find the the tone between episode one and two a bit jarring at all, just because of like the timeline change? Yeah, it's a weird like shift that just occurs. You're just like, wait a minute, am I am I missing something? But I guess like they wanted to, you know, kind of do the first arc and then and then jump into it. Yeah. So Mira had his own explanation. He said, and this arc is referred to as the golden age arc. He said, there's a reason I made the golden age arc as long as it was. I felt dissatisfied with the so-called flashback scenes in a number of works. It's typical to stick flashbacks in just as a short break in order to maintain the pace of the story. But I wanted to potentially feel from the bottom of my heart, the reason for guts revenge and the basis of his character development. If the flashback lasts only a short time, it runs the risk of merely amounting to information. Since I'm the one drawing it, I need to make it more of a story. You can invest in it emotionally. And that's how it ended up being so long. That makes sense, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it almost feels like a like a little bit of like a like a prologue. Like a just a sort of this like here's the thing we, we feel obligated to adapt. And then it starts getting into like the meat of the of yeah, the story. It, yeah, and Mira himself admitted he didn't fully understand um, Guts's quest for revenge until around writing the third volume. So, you know, he, again, that's the thing about being a manga author. You're, you come up with a story, and then all of a sudden you have to write another chapter. Yeah. Um, how, many, how many pages is each volume? Um, I don't know about pages, but each oh, okay. chapter is like about 28 pages. But some of the early chapters are like 48. It's kind of weird how it oh, happens. Wow. Um, okay. And again, there's 41 volumes that consist of now 367 chapters. So the Golden Age arc spans about 90 chapters. So it, it's about a quarter of the work. Oh my god! Uh, the quarter of the work is like just the first arc. Yeah the the go the Golden Age is an especially long arc. Um, and uh, you know there are there are edits, of course. This, I mean, when when you see 25 episodes, you're like, oh my god, this is so long. But as we're gonna talk about, there are quite a few cuts. And again, that's why they cut it, cut the first three volumes 
of this whole thing just into one episode because they're like, no, we want to get into the, you know, what's really the most important story, which is, you know, Guts, Casca, and Griffith. So young Guts, uh, he's fighting this dude named Bazuzo, who's known as the 30-man slayer. And, you know, young Guts is this kind of like brash individual. He, he survives Bazuzo's strike um, just thanks to like Bazuzo's axe, like hitting, hitting, yeah, uh, getting stuck in his helmet. It's really just dumb luck. And I love um, <laughs> Guts' is a mercenary boss. He offers him a promotion as a commander, but then Guts just tells him to fuck off. The, the Merc boss is such a goober. Which one's that one? Uh, he's, oh. the, he's, the, he's the guy with like the pencil mustache. Yeah. Uh, I gotta be honest, I didn't really pick up on a lot of people's names outside of uh, <laughs> Griffith and uh, Guts. Kos- Koska's the girl. Koska's- oh, Koska as well. Koska. Those are yeah. the main characters. Don't don't worry too hard. It's it, this is definitely a three hander. That makes yeah. That, the guy yeah. figured it was a three hander, but like sometimes with like some of the side characters, you're like you know you get your biscuits right. You get your like you know yeah. characters that are like oh how can you forget about biscuit? Biscuit's right there. Um, and you know, and then other times it's just like kind of a sea of like sort of soldiers or like mercenaries um, who kind of it's- just are interchangeable. There, that's certainly the benefit of doing this mini series because you know I would I would hope you at least recognize some names. Um, so, anyways, yeah, this Merc boss who who is irrelevant. He only appears in this one scene, um, but he does do one pivotal th- thing, which is um, he touches Guts' arm and Guts flips the fuck off. So here's the thing about Guts' backstory. Let's just r- get right into it because it is omitted. Um, it's omitted from the anime. It's implied. But um, Malcolm, did you pick up on why Guts freaks the fuck out wh- about being touched? Particularly, so I feel I'll, like I'll it had, yeah. So Guts himself is the victim of sexual abuse, just straight up. Oh, yeah. So, so we get this game, we get this flashback uh, between Guts and his uh, former, well, former because he's dead, uh, mercenary boss Gambino, who mm-hmm. G- Gambino is one of the worst characters we've ever fucking seen in anime. I think Malcolm. Yeah. Yeah, he gave me the ick right away. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to reveal something, yeah, uh, that's going to make him even more icky. It's not that Gambino himself sexually abused Guts. It's the fact that when Guts was a child, um, Gambino uh, let a merc mercenary in his band pay him off, uh, and that mercenary ends up uh, sexually abusing Guts. And Guts okay. does end up uh, killing this mercenary. Killing. His name is... His name is Donovan. Guts ends up confronting Donovan in a forest. And, you know, Donovan, uh, being, a, being a creepy pedo, um, before he gets killed, basically tells Guts that it was um, Gambino who let him do it effectively. And it's there that um, Guts has his big confrontation with Gambino um, a couple years later, after Gambino's already, like, lost his leg. And then, you know, he, he puts his sword up to Gambino's neck and basically said, you know, did, did you take the money? And that's, that's yeah, how I it, wish they showed that in the show. <laughs> I don't know if that was like a censorship thing. I think, yeah. you know, having watched the Gambino episode now knowing that it plays less effective because that confrontation is more like Guts is just kind of killing Gambino because Gambino is egging him on. I mean, we see that like Gambino beats him up and he's he's abusive, but it's more of a I'm not trying to justify abuse, but it's that kind of like macho sort, you know, soldier abuse type of thing. Hayes. Yeah, I'm mean, not that hazing's good. It's very bad. Gambino still bad for, you know, abusing, a ch- physically abusing a child. Uh, 
but it definitely takes on a different level where, you know, he let guts uh, get sexually abused for money effectively. So yeah, that that's, that's one of the, all right, let me restart that. So yeah, that's effectively like why guts is the way he is. Why he's so sensitive to being touched. Why he, you know, he doesn't want to be close to people. That makes sense. Until- I mean, I, you kind of hinted at this before, like you, like this was something before we recorded it. You're like, just yeah, heads this-, up. this is like, yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a dark element to the story, but it also, yeah, I guess it kind of explains some of the character motivations and also gives off like this, like backstory of like, Oh my God. Cause I guess you don't see a lot of stories where like a male character is like the victim of sexual abuse. I mean, Game of Thrones had a lot of, you know, uh, abuse directed towards female characters. I mean, infamously, they like the Sansa character, Maria, the Sansa character was like, yeah, abused. And then that didn't even happen in the books. I think the way that show handled it was fucking disgusting, honestly. Um, And then they try and play it off as her becoming stronger because of it. It's that it was that type of, again, kind of male male framing of it. Um, the male gaze, male gaze, yeah. and just the way like men who obviously haven't gone through that are writing it. They're just like, oh, she was abused, but then she gets stronger. You know, the the abuse made her stronger, which is like, well, no. Sometimes abuse like that, I don't want to say weaker, but yeah, it just kind of destroys you. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Like, <laughs> and yeah, guts, guts is you know this character who's just a sad little boy who's been abused, who hasn't been loved, and is just you know trying to fend for himself in a terrible fucking world. Um, but anyways, here, so here's what happens after, um, Guts has this whole, uh, you know, him flipping his lid against the mercenary leader. Um, because Guts is a, <laughs> because Guts is a mercenary, he killed some dudes and, uh, those people had friends. So, uh, one of these guys, Corcus, uh, Corcus, Malcolm and Maria, Corcus is kind of the, the creepy asshole of the, this band of mercenaries of Griffith's band. Did, did yeah. you kind of pick? Yeah, okay. Yeah. That so that's the frame of reference for Corcus, basically. Wait, he's is, kind of the, is Corcus the one that wants to kill him at the beginning. Yeah, and he's just a fucking douchebag. Yeah, okay. right, right. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. And Gorkus is like, yo, this guy killed our friends, let's go kill him. Uh and Casca, who is basically the number two in this band, is like, All right, well, you guys got yourselves into this mess. I'm gonna save your ass. Um Casca confronts um Guts. Um Guts does manage to get the other um, the other hand against Casca. And then this is when Griffith steps in. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to take, um, I'm not sure if this imagery was intended, but I do think the fact that uh, Griffith tosses a spear between both Guts and Casca's uh, legs is a bit of cheeky symbolism. I don't know about you. Well, I have this feeling that Casca and Guts are going to fall in love or something. Oh my god, I can't believe you predicted such an odd, such a twist. <laughs> um, this series, let's, let, and just straight up, this series is a love triangle. Um, Guts loves Casca, Casca loves Griffith, and Griffith loves Guts. Very graceful. He's very graceful and beautiful. Yeah, and um, I mean, again, I, I remember one of our friends, uh, Maria Dustin, he was like, why does is, why is Griffith look like a girl? And actually, um, the character that Griffith is modeled by was the lead character in this manga called the Rose of Versailles. And the character is female and uh, Mira just straight up did not change the design. I kind of like it that way though. I think it's a con. Go on, Malcolm. Oh, I was going to say, I feel like we've, I've seen like, there's other characters, maybe because there's obviously like, was, uh, Berserk was created in the eighties where like, yeah, I feel like in stuff we've covered that came afterwards, like in terms of being produced, like you see a lot of this, like sort of andro- uh, androgynous sort of like 
characters with a lot of them would have like this like long blonde hair and sort of feminine features, but they're also masculine. And it's like an yeah. interesting play. And it seems like, cause it's kind of a trope in itself. And it kind of seems like this might've been like the first time that was like being developed in like manga. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the thing. I mean, androgynous stuff in like Japan is kind of like, you know, that's a very Japanese thing. It's kind of praised or whatever, but yeah. And also, you know, it's just makes sense. Uh, for a contrast in visuals, we have, you know, our lead character Guts, who is this, you know, very brutish dude who's also kind of highly emotional. He tries to hide his emotions, but he's fucking terrible at it. And then meanwhile, we have Griffith, who he seems well put together, but you can just tell underneath the surface that there's something else going on with this guy. Um, and yeah, that's what we get to explore. Um, so anyways, uh, Guts and Griffith, they have their own confrontation. And, you know, despite Guts being this, like, strong warrior dude, uh, Griffith owns him pretty easily. He just, like, pierces his chest with his, with his sword. Guts is knocked out for two days. Um, and that's where we first see in the anime the visions of Gambino um, right. that I think are well-directed. I think the visions that Guts has of Gambino are almost better than the entire Gambino flashback in the anime. I don't know how you feel. Yeah, I mean, it just shows, like, how evil he is. Yeah, just how evil and just the way it's directed and stuff. Uh, you know, we just kind of have Guts freaking out as, you know, his his child self freaking the fuck out. And again, the, the visuals of Gambino just kind of like on this seat of power because that's what he is in Guts' mind and just his laughter. Yeah, I think Gambino, for, for a character who doesn't have a lot of screen time, um, he's a sick fuck. And, you know, he absolutely leaves his mark on Guts for the remainder of the series. Um, but then Guts wakes up to a, to a naked woman. Yes. <laughs> um, and for those, you know, we're, we're, you know, this, this won't be the last bit of uh, female nudity we see on the show. The show is very equal opportunity with its nudity. I'll say that. I can't wait. <laughs> well, we already got to see some, you already got to see yeah. some equal opportunity. No, I actually, I do. Fuck. It's, I mean, Griffith again, he's such, he's such a dick. Uh, because when, uh, Guts, he wakes up, he talks to this guy, uh, Judah. Uh, that's another name to kind of remember for future reference, Malcolm. Judah is kind of, let's call him the nerd of the gang. He's this kind of dude who's kind of well put together. He he speaks softly um, and he tells Guts that uh, Griffith ordered uh, Casca to lie with Guts for two days and two nights to warm his body up. And he said, uh, warming a man, and Griffith told uh, Judah that warming a man is a woman's duty. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Again. But we're like set in like kind of medieval times, so it makes sense with the story. Oh, listen, I mean, you know, the fact that Casca is able to, you know, be number two in like a mercenary band is still very progressive for her. But, you know, she, she is still a woman and, you know, she has yes. to obey. She has to obey Griffith's orders. And also, you know, she does have this whole uh, weird crush on him, too. So there's that whole thing. I mean, Casca's mm-hmm. the one. Casca's the one who's like, okay, maybe if I do this for Griffith, he'll finally fall in love with me. Which is like, uh, it's not how it works. So, anyways, uh, Guts and Griffith they finally have like a conversation, and Griffith basically tells Guts he didn't kill him because uh, he realized that he wanted him. <laughs> and actually, in the manga, uh, Guts just straight up asks Griffith if he's a homo. <laughs> they don't I have that like. I kind of wondered that at the beginning. I wasn't sure, but it did make me giggle. <laughs> we're 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 going to see what what Griffith's uh proclivities are. Um and it it's yeah, uh, that's all I can fucking say. Um but certainly there's there is uh definitely an element they're playing up. 
Griffith, he tells Guts that the way he fights is is if he's like gambling on his own life because Griffith himself had witnessed Guts fighting Bazuzo. And he did, po- it does point out that, you know, Guts only survived because of dumb luck. He could have easily gotten his head chopped off. But I don't think he really cared either way. No, because again, he's in this position in life where he just doesn't give a shit about his life. He has no friends. He has no belonging. He just wants yeah. to, you know, he, he's got a death wish, really. But, you know, he's he's strong enough to kind of persevere through it because that's the only thing he knows how to do. And then um, Casca in episode three, she does uh, get jealous when Griffith tells Guts that he belongs to him. Yes, and she does not like Guts. No, again, <laughs> there's there's a lot going on. And again, I, even Casca... Tosca herself doesn't really realize what Griffith wants guts for, but it is just kind of funny that again, she's just kind of, again, she's a strong warrior, but she turns into a little schoolgirl when it comes to uh, Griffith. Um, so anyways, uh, there's this whole enemy raid. Uh, I love the music during the raid. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. I think the music, I like the opening song and the closing. Yeah. Again, this is very nineties. The series is so goddamn nineties. Yeah. And the uh, the song that plays during like one of uh, the first big confrontations uh, between Guts and Griffith. Anyways, basically, there's there's a theme called Guts and uh, Casca's theme. And that kind of plays during like one of the first major scenes between the two of them. So we get this big fucking raid. The music during the raid is awesome. I love it. It's kind of very adventurous. And Guts finally starts to feel like one of the guys. Um, And it's here where like Griffith Griffith actually saves Guts' ass, but again, in typical Griffith fashion, there's always a point to it because you know he saves Guts because Guts is being overwhelmed by all these dudes because again, Guts is just doing these fucking suicide charges, and then Guts leads uh, Griffith out, and these uh, this other band basically follow them, and they get fucked up by cannon fire. Yeah, no, it's a good scene. It's a good sequence. I I really enjoyed it. I'm trying to like I'm I'm a little lost right now, like what episode we're covering. To be completely honest, um, which. Episode. This was like episode three. Episode three, three yeah, is kind of. Yeah, this is what I was thinking. I was like, wait a minute. Um, which we kind of have. Like, I mean, we're covering six episodes. So we're we're like, covering six episodes. It's a little all over the map. And uh, even then, we already kind of discussed episode four, which is basically the backstory. Yes. True. But episode four, it does. Yeah, episode four does have some good stuff. It's the episode where we where we um get the wonderful bathing scene. Um, <laughs> what did y'all think of this? The, the Oh my God, the they're tension like, in this scene. Yes, that's when they're throwing buckets of water at each other, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. I was, I was, I was <laughs> consuming well. this. By the well. <laughs> it's funny because I'm both reading the manga and I'm watching the show and I'm comparing notes and I'm, wa- and I'm reading the manga first. And I'm like, they're definitely cutting that fucking scene. I don't remember this bathing scene and they're definitely not in the anime. And sure enough, it's in the fucking anime. <laughs> <laughs> and thank God. Um, again, I, I don't, you know, author's intention. I don't think you can deny there. He's obviously playing with something when you have, when you have, you know, a naked dude with another dude. There's I mean, something going why, on. Yes. That's why I wondered about Griffith. Like if he liked guts or not. I, I mean, again, <laughs> Griff, Griffith is, uh, you know, I don't want to reveal play his whole hand uh with covering this show right. but you know right griff griffith is uh you know we we see this i think he does you know love guts and he definitely love gu- loves guts in this moment but he's also always playing in an angle so that's kind of the thing but i do think he's like legit enjoying his <laughs> his rough housing if you will yes but i also think it shows that like can have a softer side and maybe griffith tapping into that i don't know yeah absolutely i completely agree with yeah. you there and you yeah. know 
we listen we know from the fact that this is an extended flashback we know that griffith becomes king somehow we know that guts is fucking mad at him so and i get i think that's what's so brilliant about this show i think the fact that it does you know basically spoil the ending effectively and so it does give you this kind of tension first of all you know now you've met Casca and these other characters uh the band of the hawk what happens to this band of the hawk what happens to Casca? most importantly I'm watching the show Better Call Saul, which is a prequel. And again, the whole tension of that show is like, what happens to uh, Jimmy McGill's, uh, you know, the woman he loves, Kim? And what happens to all these other characters who you don't see in the main show? So, yeah, yeah it's, it's all these. Yeah. These side characters where you're like, oh, yeah, I guess that's yeah. What happened? I love I do love that as a storytelling device. Like, I love like, you know, you're starting in the future and then like a bunch of things have happened. There's like clearly tension. And then you like cut back and it's like everyone's either like all together everyone's apart and like you know it's the you know the storytelling forces of what's driving people apart in this case or yeah what's gonna bring people together who seem like yeah. so at odds so it's the char- like I, what i think i was suckered into with lost i feel like that was like the first time when i was like very conscious of this where they like would do like the flash forwards and you're like how the hell did he get here like how is he off the island uh yeah and then, and then kind of working towards, towards yeah that. And even me, when when initially watching the show, I was just kind of surprised by how long this flashback went on because I I did not know this flashback would would you know take up twenty four episodes. Um, so for me, I was like, when is guts gonna get back to the murdering the monsters? Okay, it's episode twelve. What's going on here? But of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. And also, I'm revealing this only just to you know uh, create expectations for for both of you. You know what I mean? But anyways, Judah he. Judah gives his own summary of what he feels about Griffith. Uh, He says, ordinary people like us don't understand Griffith. It might take him longer than a lifetime to achieve it, but I guess he must have some kind of conviction. It's not whether he's a good guy or a bad guy. It's not whether we really know him or not. Isn't that just how it is when a man gathers other men together? Because again, you you see this character of Griffith who does have this um, charisma and, you know, he's clearly a very successful mercenary leader, especially when, you know, Guts points out these guys are fucking kids. You know, he was told this band of the Hawk were these feared warriors. And he's like, it's, it's a bunch of goofballs here. Misfit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's misfit. Also, also, Maria, um, I'm not sure if you picked up on this, because, again, the show does throw quite a few characters at you. Um, the big, tall, big, tall guy. His name is Pippin, which is a not so subtle yeah. reference. <laughs> And even the band of the Hawk, that was actually supposed to be translated uh, as the band of the Falcon because uh, Miro was a huge fan of Star Wars. Millennium Falcon, nothing? No? Yes, no, yes, I, yes. Got, I got I it. I, I know. It took, I a st- it took a second. I mean, you know me. I'm not a big Star Wars fan. But... I know, but it's the Millennium Falcon. Um, I do, oh, I do like the Millennium Falcon. I'll give. Yeah. I'll, I'll shout out to the Millennium Falcon. Um, thank God I pause edit on these fucking podcasts. <laughs> But yeah, no, there's some fun references. I also, you know, I doubt this is a reference to Beauty and the Beast because the the timing just doesn't align. But I like that there's a character named Gaston here. Well, I, I, I well, I think Gaston was like like Beauty and the Beast was still um what was it like a Grimm's like fairy tale? I guess right? so. Yeah, I guess so. But like I think Gaston was in that fairy tale, but but yeah, like if it was a reference to them, the move. Well, is the character in, is Gaston in the? Uh, I think he's manga? in the original. Uh, Gaston's a character. Gaston is a character in the manga of Berserk as well. Okay, so, and he's named com- Gaston there, or do they just? He's add he's named Gaston. This isn't like an American oh. thing. Um, oh, okay, because uh, yeah. yeah, sometimes like there's shows where they like you know they Americanize the names for 
some reason. No, they only Americanized uh, Falcon into Hawk because uh, I guess they just were like, that's too cute. And you know what? I like Band of the Hawk. Band of the Hawk sounds cool, in my opinion. I do. I like it. So anyways, during their old roughhousing, uh, Griffith does tell Guts something pretty important. Um, He tells Guts about his thing, uh, this weird, freaky little red egg necklace he carries. It's called a bailet. And he says it's called the egg of the king. And he says, whoever possesses it is destined to obtain the world in exchange for his own flesh and blood. Does that sound foreboding at all, guys? Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of questions surrounding that necklace like i need to know more <laughs> you you will get answers and you're going to be very unhappy when you get those fucking answers it's not going to be okay. nice answers okay. oh, no. <laughs> this is again we again i don't feel like this is a sport because again the series spoils itself we know that guts is out for this quest of revenge and this whole entire arc is about you know figuring out what's going to happen and again the the tragedy of this all is that these initial episodes are about us you know enjoying this friendship that guts griffith and Kotska have but then even you know, the reference to like King Griffith at the beginning makes me think that obviously this necklace has something to do with Griffin becoming. Uh, you're um, absolutely correct. And it's repeated yeah. in another episode too, uh, which we'll okay. get to. Um, so anyway, it's Griffith tells guts, you will fight for my cause because you belong to me. Once again, Griffith manages to make we're again, we're, I don't want to jump ahead, but he's saying these things in such like a nice, well-meaning way. But it's like, no, this dude's saying you're his, he's, you're his fucking slave. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> ominous. It's one of those things where he's, he's delivering it like in almost a chill way. But then you realize as you're listening to it, you're like, wait a minute. I don't think he has his best intentions at heart. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. And so he also tells Guts uh, later on, he says, in this world, there must be one man whose preordained course of life is key to ruling the world, regardless of his existing social position or class. That man could have the absolute power of a god. Yeah. Again, little foreboding, little, for, little fascist is what he's suggesting. Well, and then in episode six, the demon that they fight, Zon yeah. or whatever, says something like along those lines before he takes off. Yeah, so we'll get to Zod. We'll get okay. to Zod quickly. Um, okay, okay. <laughs> so this episode, episode four, ends with a three-year time skip. Uh, Guts fucks some dudes up. Episode five was weird, and I I had to again reread the manga to compare it. I felt this episode. I don't know about you guys. It felt like filler to me. Yeah, I agree. And yeah. guess what? It absolutely is. It is. It is. The <laughs> sequence is so goddamn short in the manga. It the manga basically jumps from you know. The most important scene is Guts having this win, him getting chewed out by Koska and him having a couple more conversations. And then there's this whole sequence with this like cowardly general who's talking to one of the kings. You know, as I do this manga read, because for, for me, I'm going to be reading the manga along with the show. Maybe this stuff was reordered, but it still felt like filler um, for the main uh, course, which is episode six. I mean, there's a chance that it was filler. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you're trying to fill time. Although, again... I could have been down for an extra episode of the Black Swordsman. <laughs> Who knows? That's how they chose to do it. But again, a major part of this is that three years later, Guts is a commander. He's also Buffer. We get big Guts now. I don't know. Do, yes. you, do you enjoy that, Maria? I do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, it's funny. So, Casca, she gets mad at Guts for charging in alone without any care for his comrades. And she says he could have exposed the entire band of the Hawk to danger. And um, let's talk about animation in this show. Um, for one thing, the show did have a much smaller budget. Malcolm, you and I have watched Cowboy Bebop, uh, which is also 90s. Let's get right into it. As much as I love this show, the animation is pretty limited. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Yeah. 
I th- initially considered. So when I uh, obviously you sent uh, a, the link to us, um, uh, cause it's all on YouTube. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and it hasn't been claimed and will never be claimed it doesn't matter but uh, yeah it was like initially because I know there was like a newer version of Berserk that came out this is like the sort of the 90s version so there's definitely like there's those 90s moments where like it really feels like there'll be like certain action sequences where they'll like cut to like a face it almost feels yeah. like they just took the page from the manga and then just like allowed it to like play out for like two or three seconds and then they cut to the action again just to fill a little bit of time to get to that like sweet, sweet like 22 minute running mark. Yeah, and it's also to save money too. There's there's plenty of times where it's just still animation for, for you know, pretty long periods of time. There's repeated animation uh, quite a bit. Um, and also, you know, the show came out in the 90s uh, when TVs were much smaller and less detailed. Uh, when you see this on your, you know, big screen TV like I do with uh, with YouTube blown up, you can see a lot of ugly ass uh, amateurish faces in the background. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And again, like it. it was I, like it. I think it works. This is a product of its yeah. time. And it's funny, Maria, yeah. because, you know, you're going from Demon Slayer, which is a fantastically no. animated show. I grew up watching like old school cartoons and stuff. So I don't know if I just like I don't know if Jason would like this animation or not, you know? <laughs> I think for one thing, the show is way too slowly paced oh, for Jason. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And even then, that was my concern with covering it. But I think um, you can kind of see the depth in this. And also, there is a very clear reason why I wanted wanted us to cover six episodes instead of five like we normally do. And it's because I think we can all agree the pace gets uh, picked up significantly um, with episode six with the introduction of Nosferatu Zod. My favorite episode so far was six. It's fucking fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, that is, six is when I was like... There's a couple of moments there, like during the runtime where I was a little like, oh, it's a little slow. Um, but like, yeah, episode six kind of picks it up. And you're like, before I forget, just in my notes, uh, when Guts is being chewed out by Casca, his face is so fucking dopey. I don't know if you guys noticed that. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that was, yeah, was that uh, just like a lazy artist. <laughs> and they were like, we just... don't have time to re- redo this. Uh, Oh, that was a choice. And of course, this is the benefit of me having rewatched the show multiple times. I, w- I was, again, doing my doing my work as the expert. But like, yeah, Kaska is kind of chewing Guts out and Guts' face is like turned away from her. And he's just like, you know, bro, girl, like, chill out. Because <laughs> again, Guts is this fucking meatheaded goober. Like, you know, yes, he's this dude who's traumatized and stuff. But also sometimes he just doesn't want the lady to yell at him. No, and then Griffith asked Kaska to like basically be nice. Again, to- you know, Griffith yeah. is playing the sides. And that's kind of the thing. Well, it's because, you know, Casca just melts with Griffith. When Griffith orders uh, her to do something, she's just like, all right, all right, all right, husbando. But let's talk episode six. This is the money one. I'm very glad we did not end on episode five because I think that would change how we felt about this show going, maybe not going forward, but just our enthusiasm for it. Because um, the introduction of Nosferatu Zod is uh, when shit gets real and where you kind of see like, okay, now I see how this story is going to connect to that first episode. Uh, do you guys agree? Yes. Yeah, like I, I'm starting to see the connections. First off, Nosferatu Zod is a cool fucking name. Yes. <laughs> I love yeah. it so much. It's I don't know. Yeah, I just like I love any time they can use Nosferatu. Anyways, like and- just like a, for just for a name of like yeah something that has. I guess, you know, vampire qualities and then, yeah. And then just add Zod to it. You're like, all right. Yeah. I mean, when I hear, when I hear Zod, who knows, maybe this was a reference to the Superman villain general Zod. Yeah. I mean, a a vampire Zod. That's pretty cool. I don't know. 
I think I think like a lot of Japanese artists and stuff, you know, they just find American media interesting and it doesn't fucking matter if they connect really. It's like, okay, these are just two cool words and let's uh, smush them together. Yeah, I mean, that's when you got you have to remember that's like, oh yeah, this is they're not culturally American uh, Americanized. So like, yeah, when they consume these this kind of content, it's like consuming anime content on this side of the the globe. Uh, you know, you're gonna you're gonna maybe take things out in like different contexts. Again, what does Cowboy Bebop mean? I don't fucking know. <laughs> what does Cowboy Bebop mean, Malcolm? We talked about it for seven weeks. Who knows? It's a cool fucking title. Yeah, it's you know, it's a, it's a ship. <laughs> it's the name of an old ship. <laughs> yeah, um, I think the direction of this episode is fucking excellent. There's a lot of you. There's a lot of use of silence in this episode. I don't know if you guys noticed. There's like little to no music. So this episode, uh, the beginning of it, it kind of hypes up who Zod is. It's like the the band of the hawk are discussing oh there's this you know person called zod the immortal it's like oh i heard he's you know lived for a hundred years and uh you know guts being guts is like bro i'm gonna take this fucking guy and when guts enters first of all we just see dozens and dozens of corpses it's horrifying and then when we finally see um zod's zod's appearance He's holding a massive sword and just has like multiple dudes impaled on him. It's almost like he's like holding a fork almost. And he gets stronger every time he gets wounded by a human. Yeah, he just, oh, well, that's the thing. So, you know, Guts is trying to fight um, Zod and he's already getting brutalized pretty quickly. Again, it's such a contrast to who we've seen Guts as a character. Obviously, in the very first episode that takes place later, Guts is stronger. He can obviously fight like Snake Man and stuff. But even then, we've we've established in uh, the flashback episodes that Guts can, you know, kill enemy generals pretty fucking easily with no harm, which is why he's able to charge in without giving a shit. But here, Zod puts fucking fear in him. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think the direction is absolutely fantastic here. Um, yeah, there is a point where Guts does manage to get a good hit on Zod, but Zod responds. And this is where this show feels the most like a traditional anime, because he's like, oh, hey, guess what? I've got a new form coming up. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and he, yeah, I think, you know, his initial form is kind of orc like. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. He's kind of like orc like, and then he turns into a fucking minotaur. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a good way. I'm like, I'm just like going back and just like re like kind of looking at like the screenshots when you were like saying orc like and then the minotaur like, and you're like, yeah, it's bang on. And yeah, Guts is fucking afraid. And I think, you know, when it comes to limited animation, that actually works out here because we're seeing long shots of Guts just kind of shaking in fear. Yeah. It's, because it's, they kind of established they're like, he, you know, this, uh, that Nosferatu, uh, Zod, like can't be killed, right? Like that's like, he's supposed to, supposedly immortal, right? Am yeah, he's, he's lived for like a hundred years. And I guess, you know, just killing has just turned him into this uh, creature. And we do know, obviously, from the first episode that, you know, that there is going to be more of a supernatural element. But yeah, for Guts, this is the first time he's seen something beyond just mercenaries. This is him, you know, realizing that God does not exist, but the devil does. Um, so Griffith, you know, he does come in with a save. Uh, him and Guts, they team up. Uh, they do manage to slash uh, Nosferatu Zod. They cut off one of his arms, but, you know, Zod just puts it back like Deadpool. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah, just fucking reattaches it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, how the fuck are these guys getting out of the situation? And um, yeah, this doesn't end the way you would necessarily expect this conflict to end because Zod instead is shook by uh, the bailet that he sees that Griffith has. And he tells him a man like him possesses the crimson bailet of the God hand. And uh, he's fucking shook. He's like, 
okay, this isn't normal. This isn't the script I was given by whoever the powers that be are. Because even even Zod has his own fear, and that Bailet fucking scares him. And he tell That's he why tells. I have so many questions. You do. I know. So uh, here's here's what Zod says. I wrote this down. He says, "Here's a word of warning. No, a prophecy. If you can be said to be a true friend of this man, then take heed. When his ambition collapses, death will pay you a visit. A death you can never escape." There we go. Yeah. Um, guts, guts, and uh, Griffith do survive. Griffith's wounded. Um, Casca's a bit pissed off. She'll get over it. But yeah, that ends episode six. I don't know if you have any more notes, Malcolm. Any more observations? I guess I don't have like a ton. I feel like you've done a very good job this episode. Of, like, yeah. I feel like I've done too good a job. I keep being I like, like, how do I pop in? Like you're doing like a great thing of like, yeah. I guess like episode six for me, I was like, again, I'm not a big like fantasy fan, so I was like a little like, oh god, they're on. With their swords and they're on horses but like i don't know like i love the horror like amber uh element of like the chamber i it gave me some like like almost uh like edgar Allan poe vibes just like in terms of just like you know the chamber and the creatures and and like yeah i just say it worked really well i like this i like the tone of this episode and even like how it's drawn like the redness of uh nosferatu's like skin it's almost like this maroon color uh when yeah. it's like in that like minotaur phase it's funny, Malcolm. I'm I'm, I'm going to make a joke here. I'm like, do you want me to do a worse job on the subsequent episodes and do less research? No, no, do that. This is great. It's great. Like I don't want you to like uh, don't pull. Yeah, uh, don't don't just don't pull back. Like no. that's not. I don't want you to do that. Malcolm, Malcolm, Malcolm is just enjoying the solo Jack podcast of Jack explaining Berserk for him. Um, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, if you got any more loose observations, go for it. It's kind of funny. And also, you know, like, like I said, I've already recorded four without you. Maybe I'm just more fresh here as well. That might be the other issue. Maybe, but I mean, I don't think that's the case. Um, okay. I think today it's just like, I think as like this, I feel like as it goes along, there'll be like, obviously I think there's opportunity for episodes to like, you know, where either, you know, I jump in a little bit more, but like this time around, um, yeah, like it's all. I feel like a lot of the observations I was gonna make fun of or point out, you've already pointed them out. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. I mean, I guess that's the thing. I think Berserk again. What it's a series where you kind of have your preconceptions, and I think a lot of people's preconceptions of the series is that it's just gonna be fucking violence. And certainly that first episode is like, okay, I'm down for 26 episodes of this shit. And again, it takes on a different context. is a lot slower paced. And certainly, you know, just as a tease, we are going to get Casca's backstory next next week uh, that we cover this. So we're going to get some of that. We're going to get uh, some more plays. Some characters are going to do some good things. Some characters are going to do some bad things. Yeah, we have four weeks of this. Before I forget, I completely forgot to add this in my history segment. Yeah, uh, like you said before, Malcolm, there's a couple other adaptations of this series. There's a 2013 movie series that's actually a movie rendition of the same arc, The Golden Age. Uh, I considered covering this instead of the anime and it, it's also anime as well, but you know what I mean by movie. It was feature length. Problem is that those movies are incoherent. There are so many cuts going in. Like I watched those movies. I'm like, this would just be Malcolm making fun of how he didn't understand it. And why doesn't this stuff connect? And I would just be like, no, just watch the anime instead. But I do think the movie trilogy, and I think, you know, we probably will slap the last 15 minutes of the final movie on our coverage, just because this anime does not actually have a, ironically this anime itself does not have a proper ending it literally ends in the middle of a scene and it ends in the worst fucking position it could end 
Um, (laughs) It literally, it literally ends in the middle of a sentence effectively. Um, So the final movie of the Berserk trilogy, I think we'll just tackle the last 15 minutes on there just because it does continue forward. I don't think Malcolm should actually watch that for week four or whatever, because you could technically like watch that as a substitute for watching um, that portion of the anime. But I will say there is some very graphic material that the movie completely mishandles. Thanks to censorship and, you know, this airing on broadcast TV in 1997, the show handles far better than the movie trilogy, which which is basically just like, hey, we're a movie. We can, you know, you know, show everything. And that's not necessarily um, I'm, I'm trying to d- dance around spoilers, but you'll know what I mean. There is certainly okay. a le- there is certainly a level of depravity that, you know, the feature filmmakers were like, oh, sweet, we can just go there. And, you know, sometimes um, not showing everything can be to its benefit, if you know what I mean. Of course, yeah. now I'm probably just making you want to watch it more. I, I, wanna, I mean, I want to finish this whole tw- 25 episodes. Like, I want to keep going because I have a lot of unanswered questions. That's the thing. This whole series, it does continue. You know, it continues beyond the Black Swordsman arc. You know, again, this is only the first quarter of chapters and it does continue. And Guts guts, and uh, whoever is left remaining do, you know, continue their quest. And again, it's going to at least have a proper ending in the manga. And then, yeah, there's the 2016 anime that continues beyond the Black Swordsman arc. And I showed Maria a picture of what those visuals look like. And it's disgusting. Yeah. It's, uh, it's this terrible uh, 3D anime. It looks like a fucking PS2 game, honestly. Why do they do that? I think it was because 3D anime, which is now like a lot better. Again, this is 2016. It was done by a studio that was just new to the concept and done on a TV budget. They just they decided to test uh, their work on Berserk and uh, it completely is shit. I mean, I think, you know, now that Berserk is getting a proper ending and could end within the next couple of years. Why not just, you know, reanimate it in a, in a proper style? But but anyways, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Uh, we've been talking about the show for about an hour. Let's uh, get to our favorite uh, segment, Malcolm. Cue the music. Allow me to elucidate ya. The name is Robert E.O. Speedwagon. Uh, so for those just joining in, the Speedwagon is our favorite supporting character of this batch of episodes. I will go first. My Speedwagon is the uh, the little pencil, uh, the mercenary leader with the pencil-thin mustache who, who asked Guts to join his band. And uh, Guts should have fucking joined his band. He'd be spared from some uh, shit. <laughs> True. Yeah. Uh, I just love the guy. He's so pathetic. You know, I mean, and who knows, who knows what that guy's story is. So anyways, this guy's just such a fucking goober. He's like a weird little mercenary captain. I kind of love it. Just, you know, these kind of small players in history. What about you, Malcolm? Do you have a speed wagon here? Yeah, I was thinking about it. I mean, there's those like two kids. Those little like kids from, I think, episode three. Uh, they're like blonde hair. They have like the uh, the bull cuts. Or at least the one of them does, the younger one. I was thinking about them. Um, mostly because of the bull cut haircut. I was like, wow, what a choice. You're like basically royalty and you're like, gotta, you gotta have that bull cut. Um, <laughs> the 80s, the 80s are alive and well with the bull cuts. If uh, <laughs> things has taught me anything, it's that uh, you can't move past that hairstyle um, or live it down. Um, I was lucky I never had a bull cut, but 
I I think my actual speed wagon for these this bunch of episodes is I'm I'm a sucker for just like a villain, uh, and I really do. I am a yeah. I have a kind of a weird nostalgia for uh, just Nosferatu, like from film school and like studying like in film studies. So now Nosferatu Zod is my favorite. I just like I don't know the Minotaur design, like uh, when he uh, like evolves, it's just like so cool. Uh, it's so well done, like the animation, especially for the era. I gotta, I've gotta put preface that uh, for the era that I just, I just like that. It's like there's a little bit of like a labyrinth design of where he's staying, like his kind of shelter, and uh, yeah, I, I gotta go with uh, Nosferatu Zod. That was my favorite character. Like I like fantasy, I like monsters, and that kind of like made me want to continue watching the show. <laughs> Overall. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we, I'm glad we're doing these in like batches of six effectively. I, I think that really works for just what the show is because it is slowly paced. So we do kind of want to do more at once. And yeah, if we ended on episode five, I'm not sure if Malcolm would be as down to continue. He'd be like, is this really going to be good? Is this really going to be good? But certainly with Zod, the, the plot escalates. It starts to come together. Yeah. yeah. He's a, gr- he's a great little villain and he's also a fucking goober himself. He is still around in the series. Oh, no way. Okay, yeah, no. it's still just like, you know, <laughs> fucking around, doing his fucking thing. I kind of like, you know, I like the idea of like villains who just kind of exist. They're not major enough that they need to have a big rematch with the hero. Yeah, he's just he's just, again, this fucking asshole who, who hangs out with, you know, the God hand. Um, and he's like, yeah, I'm just going to fuck people up and kill shit. And it's like, whatever. This, <laughs> this is my thing. Um, and good for him, you know, maybe, maybe he'll get an ending or maybe he will just continue to exist even after the series is over. All right. Final thoughts on this batch of Berserk episodes. Um, I love this show. Uh, I think there's a lot of depth to it. I think obviously on rewatch, just kind of knowing where the arcs go, you definitely gain a benefit to it. But again, you know, like, like we did with Cowboy Bebop, I'm, I'm willing to admit that some episodes are lesser than others. I think Obviously, having talked to you guys, the fact that you guys didn't pick up on the Gambino stuff or or the implication of what happened to Guts, um, I think that's absolutely a detriment to this adaptation. Um, yeah, I, they would definitely address it if it was a more modern adaptation, I feel like. And when I say more I modern, agree. I'm talking like the last, like, if they were to, like, do a remake of the show, uh, like, in the next, like, couple of years. Yeah, exactly. I think it's it's important to do. And obviously, you know, thanks to streaming, you can just get away with more. This also had to air on like broadcast TV somehow. Yeah, this is like broadcast TV in the 90s. Maybe, <laughs> like, maybe, like, maybe they having they didn't, like they didn't really know what to do with that kind of stuff at that point. Have, yeah. Having like a six year old be sexually abused in a in a cartoon is maybe a bit too far. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we're laughing, but yeah, it's again, you know, but that's the nature of the story and, you know, what it's about and overcoming trauma. And then, you know, unfortunately we're, we're, you know, the misery is not over yet. The mis the misery is going to continue to dogpile. It continues to dogpile well past the golden age arc itself. Um, but I think what Berserk is about is about kind of like living, you know, continuing to fight. Maybe, maybe guts will, you know, find, find a reason to live at some point. I know. hope so. I know he's a sad boy. He's a sad boy. Um, but yeah, Malcolm, final thoughts. It'll be interesting to see how this goes. I think it picked up as it went along. I mean, there's like that, like bit of a jarring element between the first and second episode where I'm just like, Oh, okay. And then like, you know, as things are like starting to progress, I'm like, you know, I'm kind of getting sucked in a little bit more as like, you know, I get to learn more about guts and like the kind of the, the side characters that play a big role in this. And the fact that we're, you know, 
now it's pretty obvious that like, and I, you've, you've literally said it in the podcast multiple times, you know, that this is, uh, this flashback sequence is sort of the bulk of the show, you know, and we're going to get to see how, uh, you know, guts, uh, and, uh, Griffin, Griffith. Yeah. Griffith. Yeah. Griffith. Uh, you know, how they kind of separate, uh, from being, you know, like guts being recruited into, you know, this kind of, I almost want to say band of merrymen, but it's not. The right they are, part. they are. They're, they're absolutely uh, a band of merrymen. <laughs> yeah. This band of merrymen and like how they, you know, get torn apart. So like there is intrigue there. And so I got to, uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how this like continues on. Yeah. Maria. Um, as someone who is not well-versed in anime, like you guys, particularly you, Jack, um, I very intrigued because of that last thing. Um, as someone who doesn't know anime like you guys, um, I'm grateful for that sixth episode because it left me more intrigued. And now I want to finish the show because there's a lot of questions. I need to find more. And I didn't know that I'd like like anime like as much as I do. So. Yeah, and I mean, um, like I said before on this podcast a million times, anime is is a medium, uh, not a genre. And yeah, this is a if you're into dark fantasy, if you're into Game of Thrones, I mean, that's the fucking that's why I always tell people this is anime Game of Thrones. It handles things a lot better than Game of Thrones, in my opinion. True. And that's what you told me. You told me before I even started the show. That's what you compared it to. And I'm like, okay, sold. <laughs> yeah, and I do feel like I mean. I mean, you know, Netflix didn't exactly treat Cowboy Bebop right, but I do think that, like, if there is IP to be mined, it, this show you could easily do on a live-action budget. I mean, now that shit like The Witcher exists, especially. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, and I, th- you know, you like, although I, I can see how Netflix is going to wait till, uh, till their <laughs> One Piece show comes out to see if they want to, like, I, double down on live-action I mean, uh, anime adaptations. I, at least this, though, you know, there is a framework for this. There's plenty of dark fantasy on TV, like The Witcher, Game of Thrones, whatever. And, you know... That's true. This is a good This is a good get if you're looking for, like, a fantasy uh, property to adapt. Like, I think and, you know, a sly, a sly thing. I guess maybe now you're going to wait to see how this ends. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know, character... You know, this also... I mean, again... Um, the thing about, you know, being resistant to adapt Japanese properties is what, a you know, what does it mean by like whitewashing characters? But no, these characters are like, you know, uh, European characters. Like they're, they're what you would call like Germanic. I think it's like set in like, you know, the uh, hundred years war era effectively. That's what it's kind yeah. of modeled after. So, you know, you, you can cast white actors. That's what I'm saying. Or, or, you know, people of color as, you know, Casca is, we don't want, uh, we don't want white Casca. Which is no. actually what, which is actually what the 2016 anime got accused of. They lightened Casca's skin. No way. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. But yeah, I think that about wraps it up for those first six episodes of Berserk. I'm looking forward to covering the next couple. Next week, though, will be me and uh, Jordan Mitchell Love talking about episodes one to eight of Gurren Lagann. It's a great episode, I know, because I already recorded it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thanks to the magic of a uh, non-linear recording. Uh, Malcolm, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me at uh, Malcolm RJ McLeod on Instagram and Twitter. Jack, where can people find you? Uh, Jack is Jack on Insta, only real Jack M on Twitter. Find us at is this anime pod on both Insta and Twitter. Definitely more active on Insta. I need, I need to do more Insta marketing as well, but Hey, you know, we're, you know, I've got things to do too, guys. I've got things yeah. to do. And, um, uh, Maria, do you want to be found? <laughs> sure. At, in, on Instagram, it's at re underscore re 92. 
Um, I don't have Twitter. I love it. Uh, <laughs> Malcolm, Malcolm, again, thanks to the, thanks to the uh, non-linear recording. I've been waiting for this. Uh, do you want to do your, your favorite thing? Yes. Uh, well, uh, yeah, give us a like and review. Uh, uh, and remember, you need guts to go berserk. <laughs>